you know, getting into business with people that we trust that are better at other things that I'm not actually that good at. You know, I think that was a big realization. Like, hey, it doesn't just have to be my way or the highway. It's like, hey, th 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 these are the standards. Here's how we need to do it. Here's how we need to operate. So I think that that was key for me. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it really just boils down to people, right? Like getting into business with the right people. Good afternoon, everybody. David Donaldson here, along with my associate, Joe Martin. And we're really excited to bring to you today, Sean and Corey from Ducko and Reagan. And I've had the privilege of working with these guys for a couple of years now. And their journey is nothing sort of just awesome, right? To grow in their businesses through the different ownerships that they have and where they have today and the lives that they impact. I can't wait to hear from them. I'm just impressed at these guys in general, but uh, you should see them in like real life though. They're not that awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, pretty ordinary, man. Well, I'm just, I, I just want to have Sean's life. Look at this. He's in a beach chair taking on this interview, talking about entrepreneurial impact. If that's not like living up a great life, I don't know what is. Hey man, honestly, I wish it was that. I'm on my front porch here. We've got a construction zone behind me. We've been living in the basement for two months. So yeah, if you hear that knock and that's what I'm dealing with. The lifestyle of the rich and famous right there. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the fun part about it, right? You guys, you love what you're doing. You're rolling, you're comfortable in what you're doing. And, you know, the impacts of construction is a part of your everyday lives, right? And it it's all part of what we do. Absolutely. No, for sure. Well, we really appreciate being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So why don't, why don't we go back? Why don't we talk about like, how did this all come about? Where did Ducko Reagan stem from and what drove you guys to get here? Yeah. Corey or Sean, whoever wants to go first. Yes, for sure. So I met Sean in 2008, working at another big uh, team locally, Debbie Doral's team. And uh, we were there from what, 2000, Sean started 2007. I started 2008, learned a ton, sold a ton of real estate, uh, got the taste of what it would be like to kind of be a high producer and a top producing team in the country and uh, had a good time with it. Um, we, I guess, wanted to start flipping houses and kind of helped that company start flipping houses back then. My dad's a carpenter. Sean's dad worked for a home builder for a long time. And uh, we kind of got that division going. I ran some foreclosures for a while. And we realized there with the team that, um, you know, we weren't really quite able at that time to flip houses together and kind of build that that piece of the business together. And so uh, we saw an opportunity to kind of go out and, and try that on our own and kind of had that itch, wanted to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we kind of left there in 2012, uh, sold real estate, flipped houses, Flipped houses full-time, sold real estate part-time for about two years, and then uh, kind of missed the traditional real estate route. Uh, we were fortunate. We had a lot of you know referrals coming in and past clients at that point, and uh, decided to kind of grow both together, 2014. That's a fascinating yeah. story. So one of the biggest things is entrepreneurial impact. What, growing up with your dad being a carpenter, was he his own boss, like started his own business, or did he work for a bigger firm? Like, how did that impact like your, your childhood? Because that's even, I, I had no idea. I had no idea the part of your journey. Great question. So my mom actually owned a, a cleaning company, a very small cleaning company and worked uh, like, uh, you know, residential cleaning vacation rentals down in Sandbridge, Virginia Beach area. Um, and, you know, never really had more than like two or three employees. She would get to like a two, three or four employees and kind of hit a ceiling and, you know, had a hard time, like, you know, keeping the wheels going. But, uh, you know, had a, a good solid referral based business. My dad was the same. He was a carpenter, uh, worked for other builders. Uh, you know, both of them, I, I learned my work ethic for them, for sure. They, they work hard, they take pride in their work, uh, but they never really were 
you know, had aspirations and never really wanted to grow or able to grow a big business. So anywhere from one to three people in any given point, um, my parents were separated. So I actually found myself going to work with both parents early, uh, early and often. And so, uh, you know, I, I joke, like I started working at four years old because I was, uh, probably not very helpful, but I was, uh, changing trash cans at different places and kind of just tagging along with my mom and my dad, you know, different points in my childhood. Um, so learned a lot from them for sure. Um, but also realized that like, you know, being an entrepreneur is an absolute grind and, you know, working nights, working weekends. And, uh, I remember being at the beach working on Saturday and Sundays and being like, man, I want to be the family that's driving out the surfboards and the cooler on the back of the truck, not the one here working at the beach on the weekends. Uh, and so that I, I vividly remember that, uh, growing up, but I, I learned a ton. I heard you say that she was always able to get to like two to three employees. What is your guys' sales team? So I want to, I want to tie something in here around, like you saw that as you look back on your life, you look at your mom's being able to scale that, that, that cleaning company, she got the two or three. I'd imagine you're saying that now because of like what your sales business has grown to. So I don't think we actually got this to share that. What did you have built? Like Sean, Corey, whatever, What's the size of your business? What is what is the the different vertical integration that you've had in that? What are the different business units like? Give us that world. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, so right now we are a team uh, with seven producing agents. Um, we have some support staff uh, that helps just kind of run ops and keep everybody in line, so we can kind of do our you know everyone do their twenty percent. Um, we also have a renovating and like flipping company that Corey and my dad run, uh, in terms of just, uh, you know, rehabbing homes, taking, taking houses that are just in complete disrepair and bringing them back to former glory. Um, and, uh, and we have a wholesaling business where we, uh, target off market deals, right. And just try to bring those for investors or clients. And then also we have our own rental portfolio. So trying to have like a, just a one-stop shop for real estate and we have other, uh, I would say aspirations when it comes to, you know, potential construction companies, um, other JVs that we kind of have ideas about um, just where we can really be a holistic real estate one-stop shop for whatever anybody needs. That's really what our goal is and to be able to deliver customer service in every aspect of that. That's pretty awesome. When it, when it comes to those brands for Ducko and Reagan, how's that breaking down for you guys for the, the residential resale, the wholesale and, and the business, I know there's not an apples to apples comparison there, but how are those growing for you? Yeah, for sure. So like we've, uh, last couple of years, we've been right to like 180 and 205 units, like 100 to 120 million for Dr. Reagan the last couple of years. And there is a, a handful of years where the investment part of the business made up at least 50% between our own investments and client investments. And then once we hired a maps coach, we realized that's a fun business. It's a dynamic, it's kind of our niche, but we wanted to change the pillars and diversify a little bit. So now investments, we try to keep between 30 and 40% of the total business in any given year of the real estate business. Okay. So it's called 60 to 70 units on both sides. And then, you know, past client referrals, uh, open house and lead calls and sphere makes up our other pillars. Um, and then we, we try to personally complete 10 to 15 projects in any given year. And then, you know, we try to hit anywhere from like 15 to 30 projects with other clients, investors, builders as well. And then an ideal world, we get either bring them the deal off market or on market. And then, you know, when the project's completed, we kind of see ourselves like kind of a consultant during that process, a realtor and investment consultant. And then we list the property form as well when the job's done. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, like to, to piggyback off of that too, like one of the beautiful things about it, and we didn't necessarily like 
plan it that way, but they tend to be very complementary, right? So, you know, when you're when you're helping investors and builders, um, whether our own projects or others, you're then going to be selling the best product on the market. So that is a great lead driver for our sales team from open houses, online sales, you know, lead calls, all of that stuff just to get in front of, of new uh, potential people that we can serve and um, hopefully start building a long-term relationship with. So they've, they've kind of, you know, consistently grown together. And what we've really tried to figure out is how can we maximize those listings and every listing in general, but really those um, because you're getting tons of foot traffic and um, you know, it's, something that not everybody sees. Obviously, all the neighbors have been, you know, seeing it, the, the transition um, for the last, you know, anywhere between three to 12 months, depending on the project. So it's a great time to kind of get into the community. My dad's great. You know, he's usually on the job sites every day. And he's great at talking with people, making friends with the neighbors. So, um, you know, but it all kind of goes hand in hand, which has kind of been cool to see how it's grown together. So how did, what does that look like? Your dad being involved? Is that something that was kind of that way from the beginning or how did that transition for you guys? Yeah. Well, honestly, the great thing is I don't really work with him at all. Like <laughs> Corey deals with him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep that at arm's length as much as possible. want to have, you know, Wednesday family night dinner, still be peaceful. So um, it, it's good, but like, yeah, he was, he was, he worked with a 30 year custom home builder um, and they ended up kind of closing up shop uh shortly after the great recession so you know the owner had kind of made his money um but after my dad had worked there for 25 odd years you know he kind of found himself like what am i gonna do now um so the timing really worked out perfectly and honestly there's nobody else we could trust you know more than someone like that um and so it's, it's really cool to be able to to work with family um and uh you know I, i'd say a huge blessing and he brings a lot of stuff to the table that Corey and i don't have you know when you, when you combine people that have a, a wide array of skills is great. And his, his understanding of construction and just knowing, you know, what can, what, what needs to happen, how it needs to be done. Right. Reputation is a big piece of who we are. So like that quality control piece at, at this level is, is huge for us. Yeah. We're kind of the numbers guys, the vision, uh, you know, we design the floor plans, design the finishes, interior design, layout, price point, know the numbers. And then Tim kind of helps me implement it. So I'm kind of the, the nuts and bolts and he does a QC. So he's the boots on the ground and I'm kind of designing the house, coming up with the budget, what we need to buy it for, what we need, what our budget is to renovate or expand it and what it's worth on the back end. And then we kind of turn it over to Sean and Dr. Reagan on the listing side to, to sell their product, but we kind of have to deliver a sellable product if that makes sense. And then Tim is that quality control guy to make sure everything's happening behind the drywall, make sure everything's done well. And I would say it kind of came out of necessity. So we're talking about this on a panel we were on the other day with Sheila actually on Thursday in Kingstown and uh, they're like, why'd you start a team? And one of the things we go back to is uh, we, at one point we had like, I don't know, 15, 16 deals pending. It was me and Sean and we had eight projects going. So we're flipping, doing construction management for eight flips plus, you know, selling 15, 20 homes at a time. And uh, we forgot to turn it into EMD <laughs> until it settled, which is not a problem moment, but a moment you realize. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, I, 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 get, I get the details. I don't. I, I'm not always a detail guy. My bad. Hey, we. I mean, Sean. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> um, but essentially, you kind of realize, like, uh, you know, you need help. You can't. You can't do everything. And we were making great money, and we were very productive. But and we thought we were efficient, but you realize you're not very efficient. You own multiple jobs, and not a company. Um, and so, about that time is when we started hiring for the sales team, and we also brought in. At that point, uh, Tim, Sean's dad, was more of like a consultant for us. We would pay him on a per-project basis to come in and 
meet inspectors and, and do QC on framing and stuff like that. And we realized we need full-time help. And so, uh, like Sean mentioned, timing just kind of worked out well. And he's been with us since what, full time, 2014, 15. Yep. So that brings him a good, and I don't Sean or Corey, whoever guy is better at uh, answering this question is that one of the biggest struggles that I see with agents go from highly successful single to successful large scale is, is getting leverage. So you just described multiple different businesses that you have full-time employees hired to, or, you know, people you contract with, you've got a great relationship with. What was your change going from selling a bunch of homes uh, with Debbie Dogrel to building your enterprise? Like what was the linchpin? Like if you were to give three nuggets, I'm like, this is what like either I failed miserably at and avoid this, or these are the things that unlocked what we've built today. What would be those three things? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Um, I would say one for me was really, really starting to understand like, um, leverage both with you know with tools systems and and people right that i can't do everything i can't be in two places at once so how can we basically you know duplicate our time and make sure that we can be what we need to be for each and every client and i think um you know getting into business with people that we trust that are better at other things that i'm not actually that good at you know i think that was a big realization like hey it doesn't just have to be my way or the highway it's like hey th 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 these are the standards here's how we need to do it here's how we need to operate so i think that that was key for me um and i think at the end of the day it really just boils down to people right like getting into business with the right people we've we've learned a lot we've um you know Gary always says, um, slow to, slow to hire, quick to fire. And, you know, we're very relationship driven people and anybody that we get into business with, we want this to be a very long-term thing where whatever their goals and aspirations are for, for work, life, professional, you know, all aspects, we, we want to be able to help them achieve that and, and live the life that they want to. Um, so I think that that was something for me where it was, uh, just seeing how important the people aspect of it is, you know, sometimes you can just throw something at the wall and hopefully something sticks. Um, you know, we, we've really built the family bond. We live by that. And I think that's where, you know, we all love each other um, and we're in it together. I think, and having people that are going in the same direction, like that's key. You got to make sure everyone knows what the vision is, how we're going to get there and let's start rowing together. Yeah, for sure. And add on that, like, I think one for me was, um, you know, we hired a maps coach. I talk about that a lot. We hired a coach in 2014 and that's when you really kind of help, you know, identify your highest and best, what's your 20%. And then we started hiring talent. So bringing on Sean's dad was great. We hired on a, like brought on a super talented operational person. I think we grew one January from like three or four sales. to so next year we did 11 and we weren't working anymore. And you kind of realize there's other talented people out there that like to do the operational behind the scenes stuff that, you know, we hated doing. But when you're starting out, you do everything like you're, you kind of define yourself on a workout that kind of realize like, wow, there's people out there that love doing the things that we hate doing. And even though that relationship was short lived because Sean was great, like Sean actually uh, lets go probably sometimes too quickly, whereas I tend to hold on too long. And so that person left, got recruited away by a peer of ours that we actually coached on how to hire an onboard and ops person. I won't bring, you know, that, that go too deep there. But, uh, you know, learn a lot, right? <laughs> um, I do remember that. Uh, so, but anyways, what, on the way out, one of the things that they mentioned was that I, uh, they felt micromanaged by me. They felt like I didn't have full confidence or faith or trust in them. And so I, we kind of, at least me personally, took that as a, a growth opportunity as a leader and went to the team that we did have and kind of did like a, a same exit interview with them. And 
got mixed reviews. And so I realized like, I need to let go. I need to trust the process. You know, I coming from a family that had two small businesses that did everything or basically owned a job, like a high level of detail is my thing. And like making sure things happen the way that I want them to happen. But I kind of realized like I need to trust and put in a process and get out of the way of someone that's talent or like, you know, I may have, you know, been part of the reason that person didn't stick around longer. And so to me, that was a big, I think that was a big catalyst for us as an organization to kind of step out of doing everything to then go and hire, interview, train, and get out of the way of talented people. And, and, and I think with that too, we, you know, it's, you know, that trust, but verify, we're always smarter than, you know, it, there's gotta be a shortcut or something, or I think this is the right way to do it. We did it the wrong way. We went in, we went and hired, you know, people to take on an agent role. We really needed a, a rock star ops person that can just kind of play point. We can go out and do our thing where instead we brought on more people like us and there was no one that could support necessarily more volume. Right. So we didn't have the infrastructure. And that was something that was very eye opening. Right. If you if you have the right ops and support and processes and systems, we can actually every, every agent can go out there and sell a lot more if they're just doing their top 20 percent, which is meeting people, going on the consults. Right. Building the value, casting the vision, helping clients get to their goal, but then somebody on the back end helping do all of the other details like that was that was a big learning experience for us. It's like it's not just, oh, we need a bunch of agents. We need we need someone that can support a hub and we need to build that system and infrastructure. Um, and that's kind of when the light bulb went off. So let me ask you, so obviously you guys have been doing this since 2014. So it's eight years now that you've been building uh, Ducko and Reagan. However, it's not always an easy thing, right? You guys are doing fantastic numbers now, but what did you learn then that you know now that was a life lesson for you that you could share with others and be like, hey, you know, people come, people go. You've had some sustainability on your team, but you've also had turnover, right? And what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so I will say like we we were fortunate. So, I mean, we did what everybody says not do, right? Hire friends and family. So we got into business, like 80% of our team was friends and family, which was great. Like We live life together. Like Sean said, we travel together. We take teams on annual trips. We do happy hours. Like we do weekends, like happy hours. Like we had a good time. And, uh, you know, it, it's been really rewarding. So last year, you know, COVID hit, all of a sudden realized like it's really, it's challenging to be a good quality leader from afar and be a Zoom and conference calls, right? So that we did that for a while. Last year, 2021, we actually had three agents leave that were close friends of ours in some capacity that we've been with us for anywhere from two and a half to six years. And we hadn't really experienced that turnover before. And so we had to really look back at ourselves and say, was it systems? Was it models? Was it lack of growth? Was it lack of vision? Was our world not big enough? And we realized that to, you know, to really like, you know, we should have recognized it sooner, but Gary had challenged us all in 2020. If you guys remember to cut expenses, trim the fat, get lean and mean carry 12 months expenses to make sure we weather the storm. So what we did is we inadvertently cut a lot of our marketing and a lot of our growth because it was face-to-face marketing and client events, things like that, that we didn't turn back on quickly enough. And so we realized that our lead gen budget, Sean, remind me if I'm off, but went from like, <laughs> we, were, we were spending basically 2% of revenue on lead gen, not just shy of 2%. And it wasn't even intentional. It's just that we basically got so lean and our business grew two years in a row that we're like, this works. But then, you know, the economy opened back up, things changed a little bit, and we were so busy being busy and in that, like, that kind of grind, that growth mindset that we didn't take a step back and, and stay three to six months ahead of that. So we lost some talented people for a couple of reasons, but ultimately we kind of led back to like, we weren't providing enough sure thing quality leads to the team to retain talent long-term. And like from a, from a growth and a leadership perspective, one of those agents came to us with very little, you know, net worth 
and they left our business a millionaire and they were making more than a half million dollars a year for two years. And so we felt like we were providing more than enough opportunity to those that wanted it. But if you take a step back, we realized like from the organizational growth, we were actually missing the mark in our leading indicators. And so we've taken the last six months since then and kind of completely not tore down the business, but completely rebuilt and have a much more diverse lead lead funnel now than we did six months ago. I'll let Sean touch on that. No, exactly. Well, and also like, you know, I think to kind of hit on that too, you know, it always stings, right? When people decide, Hey, you know, it's, uh, sorry guys, it's not going to work out or we're going another direction. So we've all been on each side of that. Um, and you know, it's never fun. I think the biggest thing too, is like not taking it personal, but like Corey said, when it is friends, it's tough to not take things personal. And I think that's where you really got to have like the life motto. And I, I try to apply this as like, there's no losses, only lessons. So like, you know, the way I, I try to approach it is, Hey, look, like, what can we take from this? What can we learn from it and apply it moving forward to make ourselves better? And honestly, like I, you know, coming from a place of, Hey, I want everybody to really go out there. We all have one life to live. Right. So go chase your dream. My dream's not your dream um, and vice versa. So I think that's where it kind of comes down to, you know, if we can build something together where everyone's dreams are getting fulfilled and that's what we're doing and we're making a bigger impact and helping more people, that's the ultimate goal. But sometimes you got to do that apart. So I think that's, you know, that, that, that's one of those things though, you can't get hung up on it, right? It's like the, yeah, hey, I, I got divorced, right? So it's like, you're, what happened? Uh, you're replaying everything. What could I have done differently? And again, it's like, you know what? Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. And like everything has its own timing and season of life. So I think just kind of taking that and being able to roll with the punches and saying, all right, there's a bigger plan here, but like, what can I take away and apply it to be better for myself and for everyone else around me? So I think that's that, that's kind of the approach that we take. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to what Corey said, you know, bringing on, you know, Gary challenged us like the biggest thing with teams too, is you got to be the, the group that provides leads and opportunities to the team, right? Yes, we can teach everybody how to get into their, their sphere and how to dig that up. That's a huge part of our business. But like what other, what other pillars do you have that is, is opportunity? breeding opportunities for everybody. So that's where, you know, we're not a big online lead team, but there, there has been success in that. Right. So we, we, we learned some of that stuff. We've been ramping up and, and perfecting our, our uh, open house conversion and just process there. Um, so, you know, in, in adapting, you know, getting videos going, like just kind of getting into 2022. So this has been the year where we brought on uh, a long-term friend of ours to kind of help run the hub and create, you know, something that was going to be, awesome for clients and great for the team, hopefully increase efficiency and productivity while just streamlining the processes. So this has been a year where you feel like you've, you know, you take a step forward and two or three steps back just because you're kind of revamping everything. So, you know, we switched over to follow-up boss, getting like everything online, Spacio, Sisu, all these different things that, you know, integrate with one another and just kind of, Hey, how can we, how can we, what would we want if we were joining a team? that basically allows me to go be me and do what I do best. So those are some amazing things that you guys have like gone through and, and failed forward through a lot of stuff. My question now, and I think this has to do with a lot the first telling your story, um, through all these, all these amazing things and hardworking and long hours and giving up to people and figuring things out, what have you guys gained from it? So when you talk about like entrepreneurial impact, not only what have what how has your life changed based on all these different businesses you've created, but then also how has how has it impact other people? So outside of like financial and wealth creation and a house, like what how has it truly changed the trajectory of yourself as well as the team members? 
For sure. I mean, I think now, like one, I think like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, our biggest goal for ourselves was to be the best investor and best realtor you could be. Right. And now, like I look at like, how do we continue to develop as leaders? Right. How do we grow organizations and develop ourselves as leaders? So I think personally, that's been the biggest growth for me the last 10 years. And also like, uh, you know, while like I think we've identified strengths and weaknesses, like while we love I love leading and coaching people and mentoring people, I don't necessarily like love managing. Right. So we've been able to like bring on a high level manager, but then also from like uh, impacting others, like there's people in our organization that have become millionaires since they've been with us. And there's people in the organization that they went from making 40 or 50 K a year to now making, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year. They have second homes, they have nice vehicles, they have, you know, lifestyles, college funds set aside. So I think for us, like uh, we realize that as our world gets bigger, we need to make it large enough for others to stay within it. But it also, as our, our world has gotten bigger, we've been able to bring others along and provide opportunity along the way, which, you know, brings, brings me energy, brings us energy. Um, and at the same time, like our, our lifestyle, our net worth, our, our schedule, at certain times of year and as we continue to progress has gotten better and better as well um so it's you know it's the rising tides analogy where you know the better we are the better our team is the better our organization is the better and more rich all of our lives hopefully should become and i think the culture that we started with where we met that was not the case like even though it was a high producing successful company uh it was not that that mindset necessarily so we've i think we've worked hard to to, to preach work-life balance and to help our people build wealth while also appreciating, you know, friends, family, and balance as well. Um, no. That's something we take passion in coaching people in. Definitely. And, and, I, and I also think like, you know, I originally got into real estate because I loved real estate. I feel like I was a real estate junkie. Back in high school, I'd be driving around and telling my parents about the new developments that were taking place throughout the area. Um, so like, I, I always just had kind of a passion for it. And, you know, I, I have a sister with special needs. She's profoundly deaf. So my whole family signs. And um, so originally, you know, you're kind of getting into it. I got to make money. I'm going to be the one that's going to try to make sure she's okay. Doesn't have to worry about stuff and, you know, just kind of take care of the family. But then as, as you kind of hit those, your certain personal milestones, you do realize like how big the world is, right? Like we're just a very minuscule little piece of it. Um, and there's a lot of people that, you know, need help and have their own goals and aspirations. And I think really, you know, you hear people talk about like leaving a legacy. It, it's now really gotten to like how how many people's lives can we make better because we were able to be a part of it in some capacity, whether it's a team member, whether it's a client, whether it's whoever, like, like how can we truly leave the world a better place and make a difference? Like that's really what the legacy is. Um, and that's what I want it to be. It's not about personal gain or anything like that. You know, we're not taking it with us. So how do we, um, you know, when we're gone, what are people going to say about us and, and how we, you know, how we lived our lives. I, really enjoy that. And I look at what you guys have been saying and I hear it's a common theme and it's come through a couple of the answers, right? That the people that we have working with us and the lives that we've changed just financially is a start, but then whether they're still with you, they've kind of moved think about that compound effect, right? And you guys aren't afraid to reinvest in yourselves emotionally and, and looking at, okay, this worked for a while, but we needed to pivot or we needed to shift, whether it was market driven or your systems driven, right? You guys are like, okay, let's figure this out and keep getting bigger. And I love that about you guys that you haven't figured it all out, but you keep trying. And I, and far from it. Far, far from it, man. Well, and that's the thing too. I feel like I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in like, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Like it's very easy to get complacent. And, you know, and I'm not saying like, 
don't be content, right? I I'm content in every season of life, but like, don't get complacent. Like, you know, there there's, we're still here. We're still breathing every, every day we wake up. Like there's something for us to do. Like there's a reason we're still here. So it's like, is it really just to kind of sit back and get the mailbox money keeps coming in so we can go enjoy life. Like I'm sure this, yes, there's a part of that, but like there's, there's bigger things out there and there's, it's not just again, like about our personal gain. I think that's where, like, when you can really kind of hone into that, it, it that drives you, right? That be, I can see how your why is always changing depending on where you are in life. Like, what is your why? You know, it, when I was 25, it's different than where I am now at 37, right? And it'll probably be different when I'm 45, but hopefully it continues to expand and grow and, and not shrink. So I think when it starts to shrink, that's when, you know, in a way we're dying. You know, like we just took the team to St. Martin in December to celebrate a good year. And we had like, what, 22, 23 people. And like, it's awesome to kind of step back and see those photos. And the photo every year kind of grows, gets wider, right? And now like, fast forward a couple of years, I think we'd like to see that be 50, 75, 100 people that we have a direct impact on and can take them on trips. And, you know, some people have never left the country. And so we're working with them to get passports and get their families, you know, to come along and things. And so that's, that's the cool part is you kind of, you know, it's kind of surreal when you see those moments um, and we've got a much bigger vision. Yeah. David, we're absolutely still figuring it out. I mean, sometimes you think, Oh, we cracked this code. And then the next week you're like, dude, the wheels are falling off. What are we doing wrong here? And I think you realize technology changes, the markets change post COVID, like everything's changed. And then also because we had little turnover, you know, we were able to coach and mentor people for four five, six years and a good person that's well-trained and has good communication with you. Like, Trump's a good system a lot of times. So when those people tend to turn over, you realize our systems have actually gone, you know, gotten outdated or whatever, you know, over the time we just didn't realize it because our people were good. And so now we need to rebuild that system so that that person can be plug and play. And Gary tells us this all the time. And sometimes, honestly, like I'm sure you guys, you know, as running businesses, exhausting, like be, you know, be coach K, you know, be coach Calipari, where you're basically building that you're, you're building a squad of 12 starters or 12 players. You're going to have your freshmen, your sophomores that get recruited away after a year or two because they're top talent. They're going to the NBA or their transfer portal. And then you've got your fourth and fifth year seniors. So if you get to that fourth and fifth year, it's gravy. I think Joe just jumped up. Or- we lost Joe. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't want to offend people down in North Carolina, but when you, you invoke Coach K and you go Calipari and that's Shosheski, I think we could have some people getting upset with you guys. So I think Joe jumped out. Is that why he jumped out? He, he might have. I don't know if he's a dookie or not, but we might have lost him. But I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a Duke fan. I'm a basketball fan. But when <laughs> he doesn't even talk about coaches, but he's just saying like build a starting squad so that yeah. you can be prepared to lose your top talent after a year or two. And if you have a, a fifth year senior, then that's like icing on the cake. But you always have to be recruiting. So that's you know, when you have that turnover, you realize there's a lot of truth to that, even though it, it doesn't always feel as like, you know, enjoyable because like that that churn of like, you know, turnover is kind of somewhat of a grind, especially when you're in deep relationships with people. But I think we realize that now, if you want a big business and a big life, you have to be constantly looking for talent, interviewing talent, and have a system that that talented person can step in as a freshman and, you know, and have an impact immediately. Yeah. Always, always being on the lookout for what you don't know and who might be cut, you know, and being open to the idea that, wow, this person might fit in my world, right? Yep. You don't know yet, but you recognize the who. Exactly. That, that they're an empire builder and be like, Hey, you know, this person, I got to get them involved. And I've seen you guys move different pieces around over time and try to see what works and does it. And that's, that's pretty cool too. Right. Let me, let me ask you this. Like, and I've heard you reference coaching a lot and I think we all understand how important coaching is right. And how it has been for you. But aside from that, or maybe it is that, is there any one thing that 
has impacted you guys the most over the last decade of what you guys have been doing? I think it comes back to coaching and like self-development. Like, uh, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts too. And the one common thing you hear time and time again, at least for me, is like you invest in yourself. You know, there's a certain amount of time, a certain amount of weeks, a certain amount of dollars every year to invest in your personal development. And so I attribute that to like reading podcasts and coaching. Um, you know, there's people that have done this at a higher level well before we did. And then also staying in groups of other like-minded people that push the way you think. Uh, I mean, to me, those are the two one things other than just getting a business with talent. I think the drive for us has always been there. Like I'm a driven competitive person. I think I could say the same for Sean, but it's, you know, learning those other pieces along the way and the coaching and mentorship has been huge, very invaluable for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just kind of always remaining like learning based, right? Not, not getting to the point of like, okay, Hey, don't let, don't let being good keep you from being great. Um, and I think that's one thing that, uh, just by being able to take in and like, like, like Gary always says too. And I know we just say, Hey, like Gary says, but he says a lot of good stuff. And it's like, he's like, you know, if you're, if you're in the room and you're the biggest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. So like, I think just trying to continuously be around people that are big thinkers that are positive people and that are looking to just better themselves. I think, you know, who you associate with is super important as well. Um, not just, you know, strictly coaching here or there, but just kind of who you, who we associate with. I think that's super important. And I think it's important. So remember, so the, our audience, right, is not just going to be people that know who Gary is. So when we talk about Gary, we're talking about Gary Keller, right? literally the guy who wrote the book, expanded the world's largest real estate company, right? And you guys are fortunate now from where you've come and where you are now to be in a room with Gary and learn from Gary, which few of us will ever be able to atone to. But this is this thing that I think I want you guys to get across to everybody else that works with you, for you, or your evil influence is that anybody can do it, right? I'm not saying that... You, it's easy. It's incredibly hard. And you guys have been able to do it. But at the same point, you guys start where everybody else started, which is zero transactions, right? But yep. you had a drive and a forthright and mindset to say, this, if I do it, can happen. And then you find yourselves in a room with somebody like Gary Geller. Well, they say all the time, it gets simple, but not easy, right? Uh, and it's hard, but it's simple. And I, I will say personally, like, I've been in rooms with other agents or other top producers or business owners were like, I went to Yale, I went to Harvard, you know, my dad's a diplomat or my, you know, their parents are like high level attorneys. I'm like, my, my mom had a clinic company. My dad's a carpenter. Like I went to a school called game run. Like sometimes I feel like I don't even belong in that room, but it's kind of a, you know, you feel like it's a cool moment that you can scrap and grind and, and grind your way to wherever you want to be, as long as you want to put the work in and learn along the way. Uh, so it's been, you know, it's been a bumpy road, uh, but, and we're not, you know, we're not done growing, like Sean said, but it is cool to see that you can, you know, build a business and kind of, you know, bootstrap it along the way. And when you look at that and you say, you know, the humility that comes from you guys, that, that pours from you guys, right? To recognize, hey, yes, you're in that room, but that hasn't changed who you are. No. Right. And, and that story is the same for a lot of people that are in that room. Yep. No, exa exactly. Well, and and I, I, I heard one, one person say this once and it's like, you know, having money doesn't change who you are, it just reveals who you are. So I think that that's kind of, you know, like your perspective doesn't change. And to kind of go back of like, with what Corey was just saying, like, I think that following the process though, like not trying to take a shortcut, don't try to outsmart anything. Like it, it's been, it's been written down. Like this is, this is, this is, here's your plan, go do it. And um, there was a saying where it's like, 
if you're persistent, you will get it. And if you're consistent, you will keep it. So, you know, the persistence is what takes you to get to certain levels and to kind of break through. But then you, we still have to remain consistent with what we do, with who we are, right, um, with how we live our life to be able to keep what you've kind of built and, and what you're continuing to build. So I think that that's just um, something to kind of keep in mind and that I, I tend to remind myself of, you know, as, you know, because, hey, challenges come, storms come, but, you know, the sun is always shining on the other side of the clouds. And I think just kind of trying to remain positive no matter what happens, I think that is a, that is a key to it. Mindset, you know, mindset is something that we can control, right? Our behavior, no matter what's going on around us, we can't control, um, you know, the world or everything going on around us. All we can control is how we react to what's going on. So I think that's something that, you know, just kind of telling yourself that day in and day out and doing what we need to do. We know the activities we need to do to hit what we need to hit and want to hit. And I think that's just, um, that, that would be my advice in that regard. As we start to wrap down, and I appreciate you guys for joining us today, I, I want to ask you this, and because I hear you guys talk about, you know, so you're 37 and what it looks like when you're 45, but what what does that look like? I mean, you're an unfinished business and you may always be unfinished, but you'll continue to refine that in home. But what what does the future roadmap look for Duck Reagan? Hey, well, Lord, Lord uh, Will, I'm still around. <laughs> Pushing 40. Um yeah, so I, Sean always jokes me like I, you know, I always wanted to be able to retire at 40, 39 literally today. And so that's something that's always been like a, a big goal of mine. I don't even know why it was a goal that I made. <laughs> I've got way too much energy. But that that was my my kind of long-term goal. And I think now like uh, we see ourselves being in this business, like Sean said, Lord willing, into our 50s. Um, and the goal now is to provide opportunity, continue to grow an organization that adds value to people's lives. Um, and so like you mentioned, we are always growing and we're always looking for talent. So the, the, the vision for the next five to 10 years is to, to be like 3 million and then a 5 million and then a $10 million real estate business from a, from a, like a revenue or commission perspective. Uh, so that three, five and 10, and we kind of see that being the, the main hub that supports other businesses for other ancillary businesses. And so we have our investment arm, we have our rental portfolio arm, we have our wholesaling arm, and then we kind of see those arms growing with the, this, the real estate sales team being the kind of centerpiece of that. And then also opening up eventually title, construction, and property management, and possibly mortgage. But essentially, we feel like our hub needs to be a little tighter and our sales business needs to be a little bit bigger in order to support those businesses from day one and be profitable. And then, you know, that business kind of grows with our clients' referrals and serve a broader community. So that, you know, like Sean mentioned, we brought on a, a talented operational person last year and we kind of had to redefine that goal very clearly. And so I think we feel very clear and very good about that goal. And now we're just looking for that missing person to start that next organization. Exactly. Yep. And then, you know, you hear a lot of these teams that are now starting to hit the billion dollar mark, right? Billion dollars in sales on an annual basis. Um, you know, we've been hovering in between that hundred, hundred and twenty. So I think one thing, like a big goal is, you know, that five, five, 10 year, maybe hey, sooner if we can, but like get to a billion dollars, you know, in, in annual sales. If you can do that, if you can build a hub where, you know, we still have our team that's doing X amount, but then we can also support others um, and get to that. Uh, that is like the big goal and the vision of kind of what we're building this for. And then just uh, enjoy the journey on the ride there. That's awesome. And, and I love that because we're fortunate to be around some incredibly talented people, both locally, nationally in our organization. Right. And for you guys, it's like there is no complacency. Like, well, I'm the big dog and I'm cool and I can sit back because you don't have to look far to go. There are other people that I'm perpetually going to be chasing. And there's no doubt in my mind that you guys will hit that mark.
Listen, Sean and Corey, I can't thank you more than enough than joining us today. I'm very excited that we'll be able to release this. And for all of you watching at home, this has been Entrepreneurial Impact with Sean and Corey from Ducko and Reagan. And thank you all for tuning in.